Welcome to another episode of Edgewood Sermon Audio. This is the Sunday School Sermon for January the 8th, 2024, and this is Pastor Paul, and he was meant to wrap up his decision-making series in this uh, Sunday School time, but we were derailed by some questions, which is okay, and that's one of the benefits and blessings of a Sunday School. So, uh, I hope you enjoy this. I, I hope, hopefully, you can hear most of the questions that were asked. Uh, at least uh, uh, you'll be able to hear Paul's responses. And as we talked about several different aspects of um, kind of a rabbit trail decision making. Thank you for listening to this episode. Let's uh, let's pray, and um, we're going to just kind of wrap up the whole decision making series today with just a review, and then walk through exercises ourselves through a couple of decisions. Let's pray. God, I thank you so much for bringing us here today. It uh, took a Herculean effort for maybe some of us, and uh, we thank you for the grace that you gave to us to do that. We thank you for this series that we have gone through of learning about your will and how that applies to us making decisions. We thank you that you've made us as people free to make decisions. That uh, we are, while we know you are perfectly sovereign, we are also not pawns. And um, we know, moreover, that you have saved us. That your son gave himself up for us. That you sacrificed everything for us. And because of that, we want to make decisions that honor you and please you. We want to um, look back and say, look, Daddy, what we did, and you be pleased. And so, God, that's the whole reason we are trying to learn how to do this well, so we ask for your help in it, even as we conclude this series. In Jesus' name, amen. All right. Oh, that is really tiny. I thought it would be much bigger. I don't know why I thought that. You guys, I, I'm an engineer, so I love flowcharts. If I could summarize the way to make decisions, it almost could be summarized by this little flowchart. So the first thing up here at the top, if you're able to not read it, it says decision topic, like whatever it is that I'm trying to make a decision about. The first thing you need to ask yourself is, does the Bible allow it? If the answer is no, then don't do it. All right, there we go. (laughs) It's pretty simple, right? However, if the Bible allows it, then the next question we need to ask ourselves, does my conscience allow it? Right? And if my conscience says, I don't know if I should do that, well, don't do it then. (laughs) And then, okay, if my conscience allows it, the Bible allows it, then this is an area of freedom. There's not law written that says, thou shalt do this decision or not do this decision, right? Now, my question for you is, does that really summarize everything we've learned? What happens if you say, okay, yeah, the Bible allows it, my conscience allows it, then there's an area of freedom. In light of what we've learned about decision-making, isn't there a little bit more? (laughs) me out. Yeah, yeah, there's lots to think about, lots to think about. So we 
we've been talking about decisions, wanting to make those in God's will. And remember, we talked about there's a, there's a bad notion that I can make a decision that somehow is outside of God's plans. And we said when we want to make decisions, we want to be within God's will. So we spent a long time, like four weeks, talking about what God's will is. And so I've broken it down here into the two aspects. And these are two terms I really didn't use during the, the series. One was God's revealed will. And that has two aspects we did talk about. And then God's hidden will. And that's two other aspects we talked about. In God's revealed will, we talk about his precepts. Somebody give me a definition of what his precepts were. What do we mean by God's will of precept? Honor your father and mother. An example of a precept, a command, is honor your father and mother. What's another precept of God's will? There's lots of them. The whole Ten Commandments, all right? Yep, those are examples of his will, right? Then there's also his passions we talked about because it's easy for us to just get into a rules-based, well, what are the rules God's given for me in his will? Don't do this or do this, but there's also other things. What are some examples of his passions that we talked about that are, really matter? Love. Love, exactly. Love is like one of the greatest, in fact, it says in 1 Corinthians 13. What's another thing that God is passionate about? Our worship to him, exactly, and right worship to him. His name, his, his holiness, exactly. Yeah, gentleness, because I think some of the fruits of the Spirit you'll find in commands. Be kind one to another, love one another. Be gentle with your children. Those are, yeah, and be joyful. Yeah, so I, I think probably most of the fruits of the Spirit would be precepts in a sense. Yep. So we got that. God's revealed will is not only what he says to do or not do, that's his precepts, but also his passions. So when it came to making decisions, we knew we realized it's not simply thinking about what he says in his word as far as a command or not to do or do something, but also thinking about, well, what is God passionate about? And that's really important when you get to the end of a decision-making process and it seems like you have two equally valid options. And those, one of those options may, if you think about what God's passionate about, it may be more clear to you as far as which way you should go. When we talk about his plans and his providences, why did I call that God's hidden will? Yeah, exactly. It, we, we've got this one written out for us, but we know, it even says in Deuteronomy that he has secret things that he hasn't revealed. Exactly. He has plans that are hidden from us. We know only after they happen what his plans were. The very fact that you're all here, the time that you arrived, the way you got here, the outfit you picked out, all of those, now I can look back and say, well, that was God's plan. Because nothing happens apart from God's plans. His providences, 
are how he works out his plans. His providence is how he interacts in time and in history to make these plans happen. So his plans have been made from before he opened his mouth and said, let there be light. His plans have been before time started. His providence then is how he actually interacts in time and makes those things happen, how he directs things such that, um, you know, something broke. Andrew. Yes, give me an example maybe. So, I, I think I know what you're saying, but I would probably couch it a little differently because David committed adultery with Bathsheba and had Absalom, had his, her uh, uh, Uriah, her husband, killed. That was in his plans, and that definitely violates his precepts. See what I'm saying? Absolutely, 100%. Absolutely. He planned that. He didn't commit it, though. Yes. Correct. Absolutely. Yes, exactly. David's decision-making with Bathsheba was horrific, horrendous, right? Yes, John. Exactly, and you're jumping into some serious, heavy philosophical things. The fact that, that God created time, and he made us as beings that live in time, and yet he can be and see and act at any point in time makes our heads start to spin. Yes, Charity. Previous slide? Yeah, yeah, go for it. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Which, right, uh, this first one? This one here? Yeah, yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. 
Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Let me just stop you here. This flowchart is not a summary of what we've taught. Okay. This summary, I put this up here to kind of lead you along to see that it's a lot more complex than this flowchart. Yeah. Right. And we 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 got to a, when we talked to our biblical uh, uh, our, our process, and we said there's a, there's a step in there. We're going to see it in a minute when you. What does God's word say about it? There's a lot of things that are involved in that. And, and the, the people that we know that are saying, oh, God's okay with me living with my boyfriend. Okay, God's okay with me marrying a man, in the, even though I'm a man. Those people are abusing the Bible. They're not, they're, they're twisting scripture. Yeah. Uh-huh. That that is a wonderful question. Um so Yeah. On Wednesday or Thursday night when we gathered for a meal, and then after we were done, I were reading through this little pamphlet written by an Anglican named J.C. Ryle. And J.C. Ryle and I would disagree. If he was alive today, we would disagree about several things, like baptizing babies and certain things. But I made a comment half-jesting there on Thursday night on purpose that he's a dead guy, and I like dead guys. The reason I said that is because we put people like, um, I'll just list a few people that I like a lot, and I read a lot, and I put on pedestals probably too much. So I like John Piper. I like John MacArthur. I like R.C. Sproul, who's now dead. I like him more now that he's dead because he made it to the end. He made it to the end, and he didn't do this. If you read if I could summarize the book of Proverbs, the, what it's saying, there's a lot more than what I'm about to say. But if I could kind of simplify it, the book of Proverbs says there's a road and it's really narrow. And if you're wise, you'll stay here on this road. There's ways to go off that road. And the way of life is about staying in the middle of that road. 
and he gives all kinds of practical advice about not going off to the right or the left. Your salvation is a lifelong thing. And God willing, when you die, you've, you made it, God brought you to the end and you didn't drift. The, there are some that will drift in such a way that they twisted scripture, but I think they're still clinging to Jesus Christ only as their hope of salvation. I would say that those people that die and they go to heaven because of that, because their hope is anchored there. Paul says they made it there basically by the skin of their teeth because Jesus only is their only reason, but they messed up everything. It's really important for us to be careful in watching the teachers that we like. We hold them loosely and we be like the Bereans, the people from the city of Berea. We're careful to say, what does God's word say? What does this say? And as soon as you're like, wait, that doesn't sound right, go check it out. Right, absolutely. But don't worship me. Don't, don't, right? My, <laughs> no, you should, but you ultimately have to trust. Right. Yeah, yeah. Go ahead, John. So, like, you should trust your pastor to the extent that he's faithfully teaching you what the Bible says. And here's the thing. If you are trusting in Christ, you have the best interpreter in you. And the Holy Spirit of God... I know. It says in Romans, look at Romans 14. One second, Melissa. Romans 14. I think it's Romans 14. Let me look here. Yeah, yeah, Romans 14. So Romans 14 is about decision-making because um, there... At the beginning, it says, as for the one who's weak in faith, welcome him, but not to quarrel over opinions. And Paul gets into these areas that seem um, that are controversial. Things like, should I eat meat that was offered to idols, etc.? Um, should I celebrate this holiday or not? Those are, are difficult things. And he even calls them gray areas. Interestingly, he, the, the word adiaphora is disputed matters, gray areas that there isn't def definition on. And Paul's message in this is to love the other person. 
don't use your freedom to, you know, go wherever. However, the very interesting thing that he comes to, the very end of this chapter, let me just start at verse 21. He says, it's good not to eat meat or drink wine or do anything that causes your brother to stumble. The faith that you have keep between yourself and God. Blessed is the one who has no reason to pass judgment on himself for what he approves. Now listen to this. But whoever has doubts is condemned if he eats because the eating is not from faith. For whatever does not proceed from faith is sin. The spirit of God in you works to convict you and if you, 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 you've thought all along that to do X, Y, or Z is a sin, and if you are persuaded in your heart that for you to do this is sin, and there's not a Bible verse, a principle, a precept that says clearly, don't do this or do that. There's not one of those, but yet your conscience is like, ah. That's wrong. That conscience is informed by the Spirit of God. Don't do that thing. So if you've been raised that homosexuality, I don't like bringing that LGBT thing into this because the Bible's so clear on that. I mean, if you're still confused on that, let's go further and study more, rehearse what we said. Things have not changed for what Matt and I said. The Bible is abundantly clear on that matter. This this chapter 14 is talking about things that the Bible is not even clear on, right? So if the Bible is clear on it and you read it and you're hearing pastors like Andy Stanley, I'm, it's so funny you brought this up because I've got a slide in here that I'm going to offend people with in my sermon. I've got pictures of people on there. And I, if, you're, if you like them, let's talk because you, you're listening to a false teacher. I've got Andy Stanley up there. Andy Stanley's dad has ministered to me. He's dead now, thankfully. Because I can, I can, I don't mean thankfully, like I'm glad he's dead. But I mean, his, his teaching, I can like, oh, this is so good. It's sometimes really simple truths. And it's so, so helpful. Andy Stanley was, or Charles Stanley was not perfect, right? But he died and his teaching that I've read is faithful to the scripture. And so his son has departed from it. He said last year, you got to unhitch the Old Testament from the New Testament. What? Are you kidding me? Jesus didn't unhitch it, right? I, I guess what I'm saying, Charity, and, and all of us, is that you've, you only trust pastors to the extent that they are here. It makes me think, though, it, it, in light of your question, that the next thing we ought to do in Sunday school is how to study your Bible. How to study your Bible. It's called hermeneutics, a big fancy word. Hang on, Kathy. Melissa's had her hand up for years. Oh, sorry. I was the same Melissa. Yeah, yeah.
And you know what he's going to do? Is he's going to point you to other places in the scripture. Because he's, he's not going to give you new teaching. If you, believe he's, if, he's, if you think he's giving you teaching, let's talk. Because the Bible says don't do that. <laughs> don't add new things. Yeah, you know, I love that. And I'm going to, we may have to finish this whole lesson next week. That's okay. No, it's totally good. I mean, this is why I love Sunday schools. We have conversations and we can, there's no agenda that's locked in here. Um, I want to bring up an illustration or use what you're saying as an illustration to explain a point from my text we're going to look at in, during the service. Um, my tendency would be to, change my sermon and use that as an illustration but that will mess things up for me time wise so I'm not going to Paul says he prays for several things in our text in Colossians and one of the things he prays for <clears throat> is the riches of full assurance of understanding and I <clears throat> that's too many ofs for me so I spent a lot of time trying to figure it out and what it comes down to is exactly what Melissa's talking about when you are struggling with understanding something, you're asked the Lord to help. And eventually he does. And when he does, you feel rich. You feel on top of the world, even if you're in the middle of the valley, because that, oh God, it's so clear now. That's the riches of full assurance of understanding. And I love that idea practically of writing it down, the things you're frustrated with. Write it down. I, I had a seminary teacher that was teaching us. Um, it was a very conservative school, but yet he wanted us to learn what the liberals were saying, how they twisted scripture. And then to do that, he, we were big boys, so he made us put on our big boy pants and read the liberals and wrestle with them. And some of the things they had said I had never heard before and it really was troubling. And he said, he said this really great little metaphor. He said, when you can't figure it out, just put it in the freezer. And when you're ready to work on it again, take it out of the freezer, let it thaw out, and dig in it to it again. If you, and unlike your food, real food, if you still can't put it back in the freezer, <laughs> and then come back to it again later. And eventually the Holy Spirit is going to, in one of those thawing moments, direct you to understand exactly what the word says. Get back to full circle to what um, charity you had brought up. If the church for 2,000 years has said that homosexuality is wrong, for somebody to, and, and uses the word of God, and it's very clear, and then somebody comes along and says, no, the Bible doesn't really say that, even though you're looking at it like, no, what I think you do. You should go see ya to that guy. Because he's a false teacher. He is a false teacher. And 2 Peter 2, 3 has strong words for that man or woman and what they said. 
He says in 2 Peter 2, 3, and in their greed, they will exploit you with false words. Their condemnation from long ago is not idle and their destruction is not asleep. Kathy, you were going to say something earlier. Yeah. Well, and I, I putting Jesus central is the key, not people. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Andrew. have been said. Yep. But what's interesting is, I mean, I don't have a problem if, if this spirit audibly spoke to Paul and the apostles at that point, right? right? Apart from truth, right? Apart from truth, because the spirit does impart peace, but it's always comes with with truth. Sam. Big red flag. Big red flag. Sam. What's interesting is Peter talks about prophets in the past at that point. You'd think if they were still happening, Peter would have said, just like these prophets today. It's interesting. Todd.
Yeah, I, 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 I right on. I, the, the, the challenge, um, I guess why it's hard is when it's people you know and love that are our leaders as well. And, and here's the thing. We have to remember that Jesus said, I haven't come to bring peace, which is really funny because he did. But that wasn't what he was talking about. He said, I probably came to bring division. And he doesn't say, from those people that are distant from you. It's really, it's for your own family. Yeah. Oh, when, when I said right on, like, I'm not, in, I'm not in, like, what Todd, Todd, I'm the heart of what Paul, Matt Todd's saying. He, Todd's not saying, he said a generality that nobody is calling out anybody. That if we're going to take Todd fully, Todd, you're not saying that no one in the last hundred years has not called out anybody because we just did and I'm about to. And I know that there is within the Christian church, um, you know, we know this, there's different denominations. Within the denominations, there are different circles. <laughs> And we all probably came from a little bit different circles. And in the circles I grew up in, calling out people as false teachers was kind of a badge of honor. <laughs> and, and there was a name for them that they were given. They were called fighting fundies. <laughs> I don't want to be known as a um, fighting fundy if that means all I'm known for is just picking on other people. <laughs> right? But here's the thing. John, in the last days, as you brought out, there will be a falling away. There will be much more apostates. Apostasy means leaving the faith. It's different than the word heresy. Heresy means teaching something contrary to the received faith. Apostate, apostasy, to apostatize is to leave it. And the Bible says that this will happen. And what's going to happen is these different circles, we're going to start to get closer. We may disagree with a lot of different things, but I think the fundamentalists in this town are our brothers probably more than some of the big, 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 big churches in this town. I'm not saying that everybody in the big, big churches are not Christians. I'm saying more at one church probably than more at that church. (laughs) are we probably going to start linking arms with, and we're going to have to learn how to put up with each other's weirdisms. <laughs> Andrew? Every time, right? I love that because that kind of summarizes Matt and I's approach. Like, I don't normally talk about false teaching, but the text I'm covering today talks about false teaching directly. It's time to talk about it. 
And then there was a situation that came up that burdened us. And we did a whole series then on the whole LGBT thing. But it's not going to be our main theme of just always, because then I'm not preaching the whole counsel of the word of God. The, the social media public forum didn't work so well. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> January 6th is the only day I guess you're allowed to start riots. <laughs> John and or Melissa. Last comment. Yeah, yeah. 
guess next week we'll finish up the decision-making series. <laughs> I appreciate the, the good conversation because it's, we need to be able to have conversations like this. So thank you for the question, Charity, that derailed us, and I really appreciate it. No, don't apologize. I mean, like seriously, if it's hard to do that in a sermon because that's not what we're trying to do on sun, during the service. There's different things going on. But this, this hour that we have together, I've planned things, but it's a great opportunity for like, hang on, I'm stuck on something you've said. Let's do that. Let's pray. God, I thank you that you, <clears throat> you love us and that you have given us your spirit who is the seal, the um, down payment, the guarantee in us that we will make it to the end. God, it's, it's frustrating because uh, when we look at some people that we thought all along had that seal in them, but then start twisting your words that we get confused and have to um, wrestle with that. But I, I thank you that you're not afraid of the, us wrestling with these things, that you're patient with us. But I ask that you would keep us on the road. Help us to not veer to the right or to the left. Help us to stay faithful to you and keep you, your son Jesus, and your spirit central to all that we do. All based on truth from the word of God. In Jesus' name, amen.